this reading is Matthew 3, 1 to 12, and it's 9, 1, 5 in the Church Bibles. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who is spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had leather belt round his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out for him from, uh, from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the river Jordan. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe has been laid to the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who, who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His, his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with, with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, so now we're going to have Daniel to talk, to talk for us. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you're with Daniel as he uh, talks to us. I pray that you can uh, use him to speak your word uh, and that he is able to do it well. Amen. Okay, so the theme today I will be exploring is how do people point to God and do our lives signpost to Jesus? You can see from the PowerPoint I made. Um, so today in our society... It's so difficult to follow God's word. There are signs pointing us all over the place. The distractions, the temptations, the broken world we live in. Often, it's almost like God can be smothered out of our daily lives and put on the back burner. Monotonous daily, um, monotonous daily chores or struggles can overshadow our saviour and his good news. The real question is, though, do our day-to-day -day lives follow and point to God? In the reading, which we earlier heard of Matthew 3, 1 to 12, we are introduced to John the Baptist, who's paving the way for Jesus to come. It says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. In Matthew verse 3, John draws parallels to Isaiah 40 verse 3, where he says, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Both prophets, Isaiah and John, taught the good news of forgiveness to those who repent. John here is challenging the people that gather to listen to him to prepare for the coming of the Messiah. Just like for John, we can help prepare those who do not know Jesus as Savior. How can we help those who, to welcome Jesus into their lives? Maybe this is through our actions, how we treat others, or how we are open to discussing Christianity when we are asked. However, we must be really, really careful that we do not ram the good news of the Lord down people's throats, or sadly this can just push people away. 
what we should do is thoughtfully and prayerfully share the good news. Prayer is an incredible tool we have. You can pray that the right moment will arise for you to tell your friend or colleague about Jesus. Or even just pray that they will come to know Jesus. My grandma often tells me of people she's been praying for, for years who have finally become Christians. It might not be instant, but stick at it because it's worth the wait. <laughs> for me, I have a clo- few close friends who I try to pray for to become Christians. It's not happened yet, but I cannot wait for the day one of them does. Now, going back to John, John lived a God-inspired life, preaching God's words, whilst wearing clothes made of camel hair and eating locusts and wild honey. John must have screamed different to the people of the time. As Christians, we should scream different. We should live our lives away from societal norms. Not pure selfishness, where the only person you consider is yourself. What we should do as Christians is consider others. Yet quite often we don't. And I know it's easy enough to do. But maybe how we can signpost to Jesus is how we consider others. Putting others first and not always thinking just about the me, me, me. Now going back to John. I'm not saying that we should live our lives in absolute uncomfort like John who wore camel hair clothes and only ate honey and insects. Because what's the fun in that? (laughs) But we must remember that the earthly belongings that we have, have no meaning to our God. After this earthly life, the flashy cars, the huge houses, the designer clothes will merely be left behind. So therefore, as Christians signposting to God, we shouldn't tap into this money, into the money-grabbing capitalist society, but tap into compassion and care for others. Like John, we live our lives different from the norm. As Christians, you may tell the truth when others lie about everything. You might be kind in the face of abuse. Love those who do not treat you properly. Our lives are different to many others, and we can show and set examples of how to be away from the constant negativity. Now, what I'm saying I know is really tough, and I know this myself, as I find it so difficult to turn the other cheek when I'm tirated with abuse at school. I find it hard to love those people that hurt me. But with God, these challenges are possible to overcome. Now, going back to John again, John the Baptist signposted Jesus. Do we, or can we from now on, signpost to Jesus in our lives? To signpost to Jesus, we should have a more positive mindset. We read our Bibles more, pray more, swear less, be less quick to judge others, and be much quicker to care for others. But what does pointing and signposting to God actually mean? Pointing to God is living a life which represents what God represents. Throughout the Bible, there are endless mentions of how we should live our lives. We should tell the truth, love one another, be graceful to one another, be kind, have compassion, be slow to anger, not put others down, be able to be forgive, forgive others and be generous. But now let's explore some of these qualities. When looking at truth, it says in Ephesians 4.25, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all one mem- all members of one body in jesus there is no falsehood we should speak the truth in love in prior verses paul describes sin as both corrupting and deceptive we as christians are called to live our lives distinctly different to societal norms and for many 
This is living a life differently than what was lived before salvation. Paul concludes that the new self includes putting away falsehood. This means not being self-deceptive, dishonest, or scheming in our Christian lives. We should be truthful, even in the face of embarrassment. But with everything that is a line, whilst truthful, not hurtful. Because if you or I were thoughtless and said our minds of what X person wore or how person Y spoke, we would just cause hurt. In the verse, the mention of neighbor may also allude to the biblical teaching to love your neighbor as yourself. And we know deep down we should. And the translation of members in Greek is the word meli, which is used to regarding the parts of the body. Now, we all know quite often Paul uses the human body as an analogy for the church and the body of Christ. We are to treat one another well and with respect as we belong to one another and are ultimately one body in Christ. And our love. I think this image on the left is very powerful because it shows how the cross is the pinnacle of love as God gave his only son for us to be forgiven. We should follow the example set to us of loving others selflessly and being able to forgive those who sin against us. Now in Matthew 5.44, it says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And in 1 Corinthians 16.14, it says, Do everything in love. Quite often, the word love brings connotations of relationships, of intimacy, you name it. But it's not just this kind of love that we should display in our lives. We should love family, friends, and even our enemies and those who we dislike. Now, this is not an easy feat at all, but with Jesus, this is possible. In my experience, praying for those who hurt you is a very powerful tool. Could we all be more loving to our family, to our friends? Because I sure know I could be. So how can you be more loving to, more loving to others? Now, we move to grace. In Colossians 4, 6, it says, Let your conversation be full, always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. But what does this actually mean? Paul uses salt as a metaphor in this verse. When Paul was writing Colossians, salt served mainly as a preservative, which kept the meat from spoiling. Salt was also used as a form of currency. And as we all know, salt changes the flavor of food when it's added. So therefore, when we speak, our words should preserve the message of Christ. Just like salt preserves meat, we should represent what we stand for. What we say as Christians ought to add value to the conversation. Our words should be uplifting and helpful. The truth of our Christian lives ought to be as clear and as different as the flavor of how we speak and act. So when we speak and act, we can signpost towards God, suggesting a different way of life to the norm. Now in Ephesians 4.32, it says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. In this verse, there are three clear and brief commandments of, commands of how we should live our lives and consequently point towards what God stands for. Kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. Being kind and compassionate to one another is not just generic helpfulness, but actual care for those who need it. Furthermore, could we be more compassionate for our other members of our congregation? In our church, this could be helping the older members of the congregation, the ill, 
or those who find themselves in challenging situations, socially or economically. This Christmas time, maybe we should consider others around us who are suffering, especially in Kent where we live. Yet as Christmas approaches, just like Lewis and Nahum said, do we get distracted from what really matters? Jesus is the centre of Christmas, and do we actually consider those who are not provided for in the outcomes of Christmas right here? I'm sure many of you have noticed the bitterly cold weather that has been recently. It breaks my heart to say in the UK, this Christmas time, there'll be 135,000 homeless children. And last year in Kent, the homeless charity Porchlight supported more than 640 people sleeping rough. This festive period, we as a church together, can signpost to Christ through generosity, giving to the broken world around us, to causes like homelessness, the environment and poverty. For example, as a church, we take part in reverse Advent, which is a great way of us to think for other pe- of other people this Christmas time than rather ourselves. Could we be even more generous? Could we signpost to God by giving or giving more than we do already? Now going back to Ephesians 4.32, we as believers should not be known for harsh attitudes or lack of care but rather for compassion. The story of the Good Samaritan is a good example of how we should live our our lives with compassion towards others. We must forgive those who sin against us. It's a common theme throughout the Bible as we have been forgiven by Christ. Forgiveness is a unique characteristic of our Christian faith. Scripture often includes reminders of God's forgiveness towards us. For example, in Matthew 6.12, which is part of the Lord's Prayer, we ask God to forgive our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And Matthew 26, 28 reminds us of the blood of Jesus which is specifically poured out for the many for the forgiveness of our sins. So we should signpost to God through not only through compassion, kindness, but also the humility to be able to forgive those who hurt us. Again in Colossians 3.12, the importance of kindness is in compassion is shown as well as other crucial characteristics. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And as it says in James 1.19, we should also be slower to anger. I know how easy it is to slip into anger. I'm sure many of you here sometimes feel like angry on the PowerPoint. This could be with your children, with your partner, your friends. But I ask you, is this the way? Is this, when we get angry, what signposts to Jesus? We should also not put people down, but encourage and build them up, as it says in Ephesians 4.29. But signposting to Jesus is not always straightforward. It can, all, it can be difficult to always be truthful, always love others, always be graceful and be able to forgive. It can be specifically, particularly tough to always have kindness and compassion, especially not to put others down and be slow to anger. But there is one crucial takeaway I want you to all take with you. And it's these qualities which we should aspire to be more like are possible with our God. We are all human. We all make, have made, and will make mistakes. It is true. But this does not mean we cannot try to live our lives to best represent what we believe in and signpost to Jesus. When we don't, our God is so loving and has the grace that he can forgive us for the smallest of the biggest sins. Now, I am no model or showcase Christian. 
I cannot be paraded around saying, look at me, how amazing I am. Because I am a broken person who is looking to try and live my life better and honour our God. I found it extremely hard preparing this sermon. That was because, who am I to tell other people how to live their lives when I do not live my life properly? But then this has led me to realise what I share with you today, it's not my words, but it's our almighty God's words. What I find interesting is the fact that there have been multiple attempts to stop me from coming up today to sharing the Lord's words with you all today. It all seemed impossible to be able to write and deliver this sermon, but with God, I have been able to. Satan tries to deceive us and stop us from living our lives like Jesus, but we will not let him. Exactly. Amen. This could be anything from bitterness, hatred, anger, you name it. But we shouldn't let this distract us from our God. And God can heal this. At school, it's so difficult for me to be a Christian. There are only a few Christians in my whole school. And I'm constantly surrounded by bad influences. Swearing, hatred, lack of forgiveness, egocentrism, sexualization. And these are challenges we all face in our day-to-day lives. But if we try to signpost to God through some of the qualities I've discussed, we do not have to follow the norm. In the new year, myself and Maddie were hoping to start a Christian union at our school, as it feels the time is right. And I very much appreciate all your prayers, because hopefully we'll be able to signpost a way of life to many in our school. Now every year, our older youth go to an event called Soul Survivor in Peterborough. This year, it was the last event, and there was at least around about 10,000 young people there. For many of us, it was our first experience of the true love and acceptance God has for us. Now, until the summer, I would call myself a Christian, but I did not live and signpost to Jesus in my day-to-day life. But at Soul Survivor, something changed within me. God healed deep wounds and pain that I've carried on my shoulders for years. I've suffered from being lonely, having no friends. The choices I've made in the past meant I felt full of shame and pain. And what I want to say today is that God can heal us from the deep shame we carry. If we keep it bottled up, it only hurts us more and becomes a breeding ground for further sin. When I first shared what was truly holding me back, it felt like the shackles had been removed. I could not believe I'd actually said it. And over the course of the week of Soul Survivor, God did some truly incredible things in my life. And God will and can heal you. But you have to be brave enough to go forward to prayer. Because as mere humans, we cannot carry the burden ourselves. I mentioned earlier when talking about being truthful, we are one body of Christ. And just as we help each other, we need to help each other to nurture and grow in Christ. But we also need to be there to help support each other. If you had a bad leg, you don't chop it off. You help it get better. And the same applies in our church's congregation. We shouldn't ignore the problems others have, but help them heal. This is what, as a church, we must do. So please, if you have felt moved or touched to receive prayer, don't hesitate. At the end of the service, there will be an opportunity to receive prayer. prayer. Today is the day. You can start the journey towards healing, forgiveness, and it is possible. I have found in my journey as a Christian, I've experienced incredible highs and deep lows. Those incredible highs came to me only after I stepped out in fear and disgrace and received God's never-ending love and Holy Spirit. 
to now we have two short testimonies from Soul Survivor from two members of our youth, Daniel Moradi and Tom, which we'll be playing. God spoke to me through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I won't go into the details because it was a bit messy, but great fun. With Soul Survivor in uh, the main meetings, it's God's backing, to, to bluntly, because you just see God's work happening all around you so fast, and you just lost the words because uh, you know, everywhere around you, people being touched by the power, you know, by the power of God. Uh, I think you know, and the best piece of teaching that I, uh, from this entire experience has been the more we wait, the more He does. As in, when we're praying, we make up, we make our prayer, we say our words, and then we just wait because we wait for God to hear us to act and to God. So yeah, so what I'd like to say is, wouldn't it be great if we could even be more of a signpost to our God? The question is, in our lives outside the church, do we, tr do we truly affect God? At school, work and home, do we actually represent what we stand for in our lives? Are we putting ourselves in position to further relationships further our relationship with God, as this could be having more one-on-one -on -one time with him, praying more, reading our Bible more. So please, if you take anything away from this sermon for the next week as we come up to Christmas, it is this. We can signpost to Christ, shining hope in the darkness of our broken world. Let's strip away all the distractions towards our God. It's taking a bit longer than I thought it would. <laughs> <laughs> And that's signpost to Jesus. This might be being slightly more truthful or compassionate. This could be being slower to anger, or you're not even getting angry at all. It could be saying, not saying hurtful comments to those who irritate or hurt, hurt us. And what I would say is, anything is possible with Christ. Thank you. And now um, I believe Diana would like to come up to share a picture she's had for the congregation. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. I think this might be for somebody here today, but I'm not sure. I had a picture it's of a church um, with somebody standing outside of the church trying to look through the windows, but they can't see in because there's it's either a curtain on the inside of the windows or mist or something, but they, their view is obscured. Um, and I think that maybe for somebody, they feel a little bit like that. They're standing on the outside. They'd like to be in. They'd like to know more. Um, whatever it is, if that is you today, then please have a word with Paulette at the end. Thank you. <laughs> 